Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today we're going to be talking about the principles of communication. We're back on our coaching course, going through our communication module. This one's going to come down to really three fundamental truths. The safety aspect, the principles aspect, and the truth aspect. When we're talking about programs, we're talking about what we're trying to get our athletes to do or clients to do, you know, we have to have a foundation. We have to build a foundation of really, really solid, objective information. And then we can get into the next levels of the the inflection, the tone, the trying to influence people to do things that inherently they don't want to do. When we're really looking at communication, if we're going to stay consistent and we're going to focus on what we're trying to do with our clients or athletes, it has to come from a foundation of truth. This is going to be a really great module to dive into between principles, practical, case study, and then going into our interview with Dave Scholes, the head strength conditioning coach at Louisiana Tech, and this idea of what is effective communication. And I think there's going to be some directions that we're going to go in the next couple of weeks that you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised on. So stay tuned, strap in. It's going to be a great, great module to dive into, a critical aspect of coaching. Check out phpodcast.com to learn more about our modules, our courses, all of our other resources like Strength Deficit. Appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you guys on the other side. If you've ever read the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott, you get a pretty good gauge on my communication style or my preferred style. You know, this idea that I generally like to be completely transparent and honest and at the sake of efficiency, I find that's the only way to really communicate. Now, with that being said, if I was going to tell you that is the best way to communicate, that is an absolute lie. So the premise of telling the absolute truth at all costs, regardless of the circumstance, I can't do that all the time. Now, if I was going to sit here and get on my pedestal and talk about if you're not being honest, you're not really effective in communication, that would be a complete lie. And I think that's something that as we're looking through communication, as we're looking through anything that we're talking about in any of these principles or practical or case studies or interviews, it's a central theme that there is a always it depends there's always a nuance there's always a gray communication is so complex we're working through a lot of different things biases agendas desires incentives motivations cultural situations accents Communication is such a complete and utter, messy, confusing, really challenging thing to kind of go through as some sort of moderator. And I would be remiss to tell you that just because I communicate the way that I do doesn't necessarily mean that that is a universal law. If I've been steady on throughout all of these podcasts and all of these modules is telling you there is always a really important line between principles and what is absolutely unequivocally my personal preference. But I do think it's a good start point. 
I think we're talking about being honest and transparent and saying things with intention that it is a foundational piece that we shouldn't take for granted. It is this setup that when we look through all the things that we want to do with communication and make no bones about it, communication is negotiation. We're, we're communicating with the intent to accomplish something or get to some sort of agreement. The idea when we talk has anything other than an agenda is kind of misleading. And this is where I think the process of of a slow burn or direct do what you got to do is a lot of times lost on myself and I think a lot of times lost on a coach because we live in such high volumes of communications and processes and we get very, very mechanical with what we say and what we do. And I think that's something to break down. Now, if we were talking to an engineer who's basically saying, I got to get to point B, get this machine operating, or I got to get this tool working. Well, then I can look at it the same way as I can look at it as a coach. I just got to get the session done so I can get this person faster and get them stronger. And with that, in between point A to B, it's do they know what they need to do? Are they motivated to do it? And do they have the tools necessary to be able to do that? It's that clean cut for me but I think when we're looking through this like getting upstairs talking to a coach and saying oh wow it was a great session well we'll walk me through why was a great session I really kind of want to hear about that oh, well you know everyone did a great job they, man, they busted their ass they they did all their sets and reps they listed with great technique yeah, it was great like, well, what was the enthusiasm did the guys have fun like is that relevant is that even a thing that we need to have a conversation on like I feel like it's extremely subjective yes it was fun everyone seemed to be engaged I could be completely way off on that but how would I answer that how do I grade that how do I come back and say yes that is true that everyone had a great time and that's the areas that I'll be completely honest I struggle with it's the detachment from objective and brutal harsh truth into this subtler more communication more I'm setting up this if I opened up with man that was a really fun session everyone really had a great time everyone was just super engaged it was a great story about two of our two of our athletes or seniors got in front of the freshmen and talked about the importance of of being consistent and working hard and how that can lead to a great career in, in the NFL then go into the objectivity. Everyone hit their sets and reps. They maintain their tempo. They hit the intensities that we prescribed. The bar speeds are great, blah, blah, blah. There is a dynamic there that absolutely plays a role. And we're going to get into that in the practical aspect. But I think if I'm going to sit there and tell you that the premise of this conversation in terms of what is the foundational piece, the principles, what is true with communication, I think it falls down again back into let's default. Let's default to a baseline of communication. 
And that goes into safety. I think safety is unequivocally one of the most important things we should talk about more so than anything in regards to training and coaching, right? Because it's objective. If someone gets hurt, meaning they can't complete the workout or they can't participate in the workout, it's a pretty good indicator. That's a pretty good indicator. We know that if they get hurt during a workout, that you have a pretty good multiplied anything you do by zero, that everything you do at that therefore point is going to be ineffective. You can argue a bunch of things. They didn't sleep, they're dehydrated, they got hurt. That's it. Doesn't matter why, it just matters they got hurt. And if they're missing future workouts, again, it's multiplicative by zero. That everything you want to do is now no longer effective. You need to find something else to do. But we can talk about that as a foundational piece pretty consistently, right? Because I can go into what's a good standard of movement, right? I could say a hamstring to calf, vertical torso, elbows pointed directly down back squat is good technique. That's not a consensus. But I could also say that if they get hurt doing an exercise, regardless if it was a low bar position, horizontal torso, high bar position, vertical torso, that that technique for that person may be the wrong strategy. And this is something that I think when we start to look through like standard distribution and regressions to the mean, that when I talk about a high bar back squat and elbows pointing straight down and top of the thigh parallel below parallel, meaning hamstring down to the calf with your feet flat on the ground and your knees properly tracked over your ankles is a more effective way to squat because it's quote unquote safer. I'm saying it's going to serve as much people as possible, relatively speaking, to the other way, which is going to be more low driven. I'm talking about that if a hundred people were going to do one style versus another, that that would lead into this potential safer format with a higher bar position versus a lower bar position. It could be 80% of the people are going to be safe doing it one style versus another, which could be maybe as high as 60% being safe, right? That's what I'm kind of saying when I'm saying a technical aspect. Because that's not absolutely true that a vertical high bar position is safer. It's not a complete, absolute universal law. So I'm communicating off a faulty pretense when I say that, right? I'm talking about that I am saying that this is kind of the average, that the majority of the people would be safer if they did it this way versus another. And there's some, there's some generality to that. There's some, there's some conditions associated with that. There is some context around that. There is some elements of, yeah, if I drop this apple and it falls to the ground, we can all say gravity exists on Earth. That is not the case with that certain style of squatting or technique that I prefer. Based off of this, it's going to probably serve a larger number of people in being safe. 
So when we talk about safety, it's more of an outcome measure. It's more of a, yeah, what we did at that point was no longer safe. We know now, right? And we, we, we use that to to influence our future decisions and in a way we communicate, right? We are all the byproducts of our environments. And I can tell you how many times I've seen silly things like games and unnecessary things that people have gotten hurt, right? And some people, you could call me soft, you can call me a, a person who avoids, you know, really, really like dynamic, uncontrolled environments in training. I just know and the fact of the matter is, man, when you're working with really high level athletes, it's a lot of risk. I'm not risking it. I'm not going to be on the line for that. I'd rather take my risk elsewhere. And I just had this really good conversation about with some one of our actual clients was, you know, honestly, like I'm not against hard training. I'm just against hard training without any kind of rationale or logic. And once I find out what to do that I feel is going to be relatively safer, it's going to be about as hard as anything you've ever done in your life. But when I'm talking about this idea of default to safety, it's going to go into this. We have to really clear the air on this is an outcome measure and we can we can't make that conversation point or start point until we know it actually is no longer safe. Right? We are kind of running blind on the idea that we don't know it's unsafe until we know it's unsafe. Right. And there's this, you know, dynamic with Nassim Taleb talking about anti-fragility. And he really ties it into this other aspect of this black swan effect. And if you're not familiar with Nassim Taleb, he's written several books. You can probably get a gist of you know, keyword search and be an anti-fragile. A bunch of people actually haven't read any of Nassim Taleb's books, but if you understand what he's saying in a lot of ways, it's that everything has this kind of continuum and there's known and unknown. And when we look at the known, that could easily influence our agendas and bias. And he talked about this general concept of going into a doctor, of, hey, how do I prevent long-term health problems like metabolic syndrome or cardiovascular disease. And he said, you know, just eat less meat and, and try to try to do more cardiovascular exercise. And then he matched that and compared that going into you know, a local gym. I believe it was a YMCA. And he said he went up to the strongest guy and he asked him, what does he do to prevent long-term health? And it was a matter of perspective, right? The doctor was talking about Essentially, like I see a lot of patients who are sedentary and morbidly obese and clinically unhealthy, and we've kicked the goalpost down, we moved the goalpost down, and now unhealthy has a lot later stage, you know, where we're now looking at it from like an HbA1c level of like it used to be four, now it's six and a half. You know, we're talking about fasting blood glucose, like it was. It was under 100. Now it's like 110. You know, they just keep moving the goalpost because the regression to the mean is way higher. But what he did was follow that up with going into a gym and asking the strongest guy in the room, what does he think health is? And he's like, it's being strong. It's being able to pull heavy things off the ground without, and if I can do that consistently, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm capable. And it was more of along the lines of, 
looking at the two ends of the spectrum. And this, I'll get into the what this preamble really means, but when we, when we talk about a physician from the Sim to Lebs perspective, you know, they're talking about it from this very large sample that they see over and over and over again that is reacting to their environment versus when it goes into a gym and talks to one like an archetype like us that is now on the front end and proactive like preparing for the inevitable right uh and i i can recall that line in itself of this the peter twist if you're not familiar with him you should be he is a veteran he's a person in our industry that shaped and formed a lot of it uh so a lot of stuff that we're doing you know comes from a lot of different really smart people 20 30 years ago but i had a chance to hear him talk at a conference after he was diagnosed with with uh actual cancer and he's going in for his chemotherapy treatment and you know all of these things and it was obviously traumatic and you know like this really challenging time in his life and you do little things like park at the park farther spot away and avoid the chemotherapy patient parking and he's very conscientious about that because he didn't want to be associated with it but he would walk into he would walk into his chemotherapy treatment like sweating uh and or he'd go into his radiation treatment sweating and they would all be why are you sweating and he's like well you know i park on the like, farthest away spot like why do you do that he's like because that's my training for today you know, and that's what i do like i'm not i'm not going to approach this the same way everyone else will and he had a really really amazing story about he looked up the fastest senior senior olympics 90 in every category and above right so they have senior olympics 100 meter sprint 75 to 85 65 to 8, 65 75 and he he researched this one person that ended up breaking all the senior records from like you know 55 to 85 guy just runs every year at the senior olympics and he's the fastest guy from 55 and above and he wrote him a letter saying hey you know i'm i wrote myself a a 30 a 40 year periodization plan where i'm going to break all your records and the guy ended up sending him a medal about his 85th uh, 85th year or the 75 to 85 bracket and fastest 100 meter time gold medal sent him a gold medal and he said, well, here's the gold medal in advance. So when you break my record, you already have this in place. And he kept that medal. He would wear it to his chemotherapy treatment every single day. And it's, it, it, someone who's coming from a family with a cancer survivor, my mother died of cancer at seven. Like I, just, I can completely romanticize that. And the point of that, when I really look at this from the context of what is communication, there's going to be this proactive and reactive. And from the proactive side, like you're going to be Peter Twist, where you get bad news and you still are proactive and conscientious about how you approach your treatment. You can look at it from the Sintelab standpoint of going into the gym and saying, okay, the most, the strongest guy is the most resilient, you know, and, and we can look at that from the other context of the reactive of, okay, you're morbidly obese and now you've been sedentary for a long time. You don't have a really healthy diet and lifestyle. Here's what the here's what we need to do. We need to get up and move and we need to take statins. And, and what I really mean with that with safety, there's, there is this outcome measure that we don't know until we know. And we take a lot of liberties when we talk about this proactive approach of eliminating safety. 
or, or, or making safety a priority, you know, and to back to my original point of, you know, I, even if I said that back squat with a high bar position is safer, it's talking in some sort of general sense and it's not absolutely safe. There is associated risk. It's just less in risk. With the sim to labs talking about going into the, the weight room and asking the guy deadlifting 500 pounds, you know, what is health? You know, that guy's talking through the lens of anecdotal and he's talking about, well, the fact that I can deadlift 500 pounds means I'm not hurt today. And there's a connotation to that. There's an element that we need to be aware of when we're communicating in that way. That we absolutely need to understand the context, the absence of injury, the absence of disagreement, the absence of something is not agreement. It's not universal. It just means that in that situation, in that context, with those conditions, that it is safe for the moment. But it's not an absolute truth. And look at look at that across the board of everything. Cars, lifestyle habits, activities, etc. I'm gonna move on from safety because you know I think there's a there's a lot more we're gonna go through, but that's gonna be the foundation. We're gonna to go to principles next. What is true without context? When I communicate, if I strip it down to everything else, that again, if I was gonna drop an apple and it was gonna to fall to the ground, that that law of gravity goes into place, principles is a really good place to start. So if I'm communicating to someone about what a good or bad training program is, and they disagree with me, and I would say, that's completely your right. However, are you coming from a place of principles? And I think philosophy and and looking at it from the context of if I have a certain preference for, for training or if I look at it from the context of everything I'm doing is centered off this true north and universal hope that this is something, what I do matters. It's not a great form of communication. And what I mean by that is you're probably a person waiting to talk. You're probably a person talking about it from this context of if I can prove to this person what I do is effective, they will be compliant with me. They will be they'll be in the same side as me. They will approach training and philosophy the same way I do and therefore I have more confirmation that what I do is good. And I get I think this is one of the biggest struggles of of communication. We talked a lot about this with filtering your information. People are saying stuff in a compelling and interesting way, but it's not necessarily based off of foundational principles. You know, the first principles effect, right? They keep asking why until you find what you want going through the scientific method. You know, I think when I'm think when I'm communicating with someone about training and communicating about what is good and what is bad. I don't care about the subjective aspects. I really don't. It doesn't really matter. I don't care what you do. But I can tell you it's bad if it doesn't have principles. I can tell you it's ineffective if you're not adhering to those principles. I can tell you that your output measures 
is going to be more varied and have a lot more noise if you don't have principles. And there's a no yeah but in this one. There's no, you don't really understand my situation. No, I do. I absolutely understand your situation. You just choose not to do principles. And it's a matter either of ignorance, I don't know, or negligence, I choose not to. And I, th I think when we're talking about communication and we're talking about you know, what is, what gives me the right to say something is not good or, or not, a, not legitimate, it comes from that. It comes from this dynamic of, I know better, I know that principles and output measures of safety would tell me otherwise. The final one, which I think is really important for communication, is this idea of defaulting to the truth. And you know, I have a business partner, and he would always say to me, is that true? Is that true? And for a long time there, you know, I, was, I would take offense to that, to be completely frank. And I would essentially say, like, you're essentially accusing me of lying when you say, is that true? Right? There's a... There's a hidden, there's a hidden message behind that, right? So if I say something like, you know, hey, really, honestly, losing weight comes down to two really big aspects of thermodynamics. It's either expending more energy or decreasing energy input. And he would say back to me, is that true? And I would say, yes, it absolutely actually is. It's a physical law. Energy is not created nor destroyed. And when you go into that conversational piece, it's an important thing to ask, though. It's not offensive if it isn't, if it is true, right? So if I was going to say on the level, another level, like the best way to lose weight is, is restricting carbohydrates and doing high intensity interval sprints off the foundation of it's going to lower energy input and increase energy output. Yes. That is true. So we'd have to ask why, we get another layer, get another layer, get another layer. And then all of a sudden we find out, yes, that is actually true. On the other end, if that truth is based off the foundation of, I didn't get hurt and it worked for me, that is a incomplete body of evidence combined with anecdotal results. That is what communication is. That is where we really need to dive into. Effective communication really comes down to the bottom line of filtering, filtering, filtering into a common ground of what is absolutely true. I'm communicating to you. You asked me to write you a program. You asked me to do something for you. You asked me to educate you on I'm becoming a better coach. You can sit there and say, a lot of that is your opinion. A lot of that is just what you prefer. And opened up with the caveat, I like to be honest and truthful at the expense of everything else. But the reality is that once I start to work through and whittle through in terms of safety, principles, truth, that you have a very clear foundation for building in really good communication. 
And one of the things that we start to talk about with coaches and communicating with people is the idea that that conversation is going to have a multifactorial output. That we can look at this, this essentially general idea that it's all going into this million and one vectors from that conversation. <coughs> so let's say that beginning of an off season, coach comes to me, I want you to help this guy this way. Give them baseline information, blah, 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 blah. Every single week they check in. How's it doing? How's it, what's going on? Okay, is he bought in? Is he doing a great job? Is he making progress? And I don't know what he's weighing one week to the next. I don't know how much energy expenditure he's doing. I don't know how much energy intake he's doing. And I just say, yeah, he's working his ass off, man. He's doing great every single week. And that has a has another layer to it the following week. Like, yeah, I busted his ass again, man. And then you get three, four weeks down the road and the coach like, hey, what's his body weight at? And you check and it's like, oh, he actually has gained three pounds. And he's like, what the hell happened, man? You said he's been doing great. Your subjective assessment or appraisal of the situation was incorrect. It was incomplete. It was looking at that that context and saying that this person is doing a great job maybe because they didn't get hurt great maybe they were always smiling when they walked in and walked out okay that's not bad but the reality is they weren't making any net progress and we have to go deeper into well he's probably not exercising enough or he's probably eating too much going into thermodynamics which is a law going into okay did he get hurt it's another conversation point there but when I'm talking about these conversational pieces and remember the conversation and communication is agenda based right everyone has something they want to accomplish when they're communicating to one person or another and it could be a slow burn or, or fast burn it could be tell me if this person's lost weight yes or no I gotta go it could be I really want to influence this person over time to be motivated to help this other athlete lose weight because I need them on my side. So maybe I butter them up. Hey, Tim, how's the day going, man? Oh, man, how are your kids? You know, like, oh, it's awesome. Like, oh, man, I really, yeah, I saw a video, I saw a video of your wife posted about like you guys playing baseball in the front yard, man. It looks like you guys are having a great time. Awesome, dude, man. Like, great to see you, man. Really fired up here. You know, how are you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, oh, yeah, awesome, man. Hey, I meant to ask you about you know, such and such, and seeing how his progress was coming, it, that's a slow burn. That's a slow burn. That's a big conversation. Versus in passing, walking down the hallway, seeing me and saying, do you lose weight or not? That's a fast burn. And we go into the nuance of that in our practical section of having this idea of like social situations, social cues that some people just don't really react to that well. A lot of people really, really concern themselves with how, how it actually, how it actually is presented. We're not just robots walking around and devoid of emotion and any kind of, we're not just binarily running off of code. You know, we, we need some sort of, some sort of softer delivery and appreciation and, and empathy. Um, but the truth is, when we're looking at communication and we're looking at principles, again, I have to be truthful here, is that if we have a foundation of safety, principles, and truth, that we're probably going to be okay. 
then we got to work on the other aspects. We're not saying that we don't have to understand that your delivery, your inflection, your eye contact, your body language, everything has huge impact on that. But the bottom line is, man, if you're telling me things that aren't based off of those three really fundamental aspects of communication, I'm going to have a hard time connecting with you. I might find you compelling and interesting for a period of time. You might hold my attention, but that's not communicating because we didn't really effectively accomplish something. And I think about motivational speakers and I think about the, the buzz or the, the high that you get from them being just ultra positive and engaging and quickly giving you the, the life's inner meaning. And you get intoxicated off of that and you walk away and you're like, damn, I'm a better person for that. And then you walk into the next vector of, am I actually really changed? Is there anything actually foundational for that? I think that in itself is something that as we start to break down, what we're talking about communication is not communicating. It's preaching. It's getting into this whole other realm of, I'm just talking to talk. I have no real meaning behind this. And I'll get on my pedestal here for a second. Stop reading things, listening to things that are talking without context. I could say to you just arbitrarily work harder or become more of a whatever your thing is that you need to be. I could say that. I could say that whenever. I could say that without any rationale. I can say that without any conversation. I could have a hypothetically made up conversation. Like I was talking to this person today and they were saying like, I'm really struggling financially. I'm saying, well, you know, stop spending, stop being an idiot. You know, like invest your money, diversify your portfolio. Like only an idiot would invest, wouldn't buy three homes and have three rental properties and having passive income. I could say that. I never have, I never had that conversation. I could absolutely do any of those things. Doesn't necessarily have any kind of plan or agenda other than captivating your, holding your attention for a period of time. I think right now, in any, in any time period in the history of humanity is how susceptible and vulnerable we are to, to messaging and, and subliminal, subliminal effects from social media. We need to understand communication really comes down to, is it safe? Is it true? And are there principles? And if there's not, then it's conditional or then it's got context and then it's got some sort of kind of, you know, maybe a embellishing. Like, I don't believe the people that I'm seeing on social media. And I think you should too. I should, I don't think you should too. I think when you look at the folks that are online doing clickbait soundbite material, you should have a very aggressive filtration system. And if you're doing any, if you're making any decisions based off of a, five-second clip that's designed to get your attention, shame on you. And that's the way you should approach communication as well. That everyone's going into it with some sort of agenda. There's always conditions associated. Everything. My wife does it with me. Will you do this and take out the trash? Like that kind of dynamic, right? It's like we all have conditions. We all have things that we're talking about when we communicate to someone. And we were talking about it off the pretense of 
let's get to what we want to get from this conversation. And and I'll talk about a little bit more in the practical aspect of it's it's okay to have that like inner thought of okay, what does this person want? Well, let's just try to get down to it versus the other end of people really don't know what they want and you haven't forced them to make, well, what's the point of this conversation? And when we think about communication strategies and we think about all the stuff that we need to associate with getting whatever it is we need to get done, done, we have to come back down to what is absolutely true, what is, what are the principles, and then on the other end, is it safe? And this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety, warmth, shelter is the foundational piece and everything on top of it. It's just nice. It's nice to have, right? Like if I can reach transcendence, awesome. But that's not, that's a state of, that's a state of mind. That's a, that's not a real thing. But I know if I'm cold, if I'm starving and if I feel threatened, these are real, real things. And we go into this like dynamic of, if we have this stripped away from all the fluff and you just show me under the hood what the conversation is really about, we can get rid of a lot of things that we don't want. We can get rid of a lot of confusion. We can build it out. We can build not a house of cards, but a really solid foundation. One that's going to have some staying power. One that's going to have some longevity. One that's when I get down to it, week eight of a weight loss program with an offensive lineman that just struggles to eat properly or can exercise consistently, I can get to the root. I can get to that output. I can have that conversation of what's working and not working and not dancing around the issue and talking about subjectivity, talking about things that are not great. I can be compelling and interesting on top of being truthful and effective as we process all these things and as we're trying to evaluate what is really effective communication, start there. Start there and see what happens. Because if we can get that across, we're gonna have a lot better situations and setups. All right, guys, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, get on the module. It's gonna be really valuable for you to really get that visual as well as that context. And uh, let's keep plugging away at these. We got a uh, practical coming up next week. Case study is going to be available here shortly. And then we got an interview with the strength coach, Dave Scholes. It's going to be a really good week, a really good module to dive into. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week.